Hello and welcome to the Big Queer Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Joshua. Today, I'm happy to introduce Nathan Cruz. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself properly. Uh, I mean, well, thanks very much for having me on, first of all. Um, I don't, I feel bad when people, you know, when people put you on the spot like this, because I'm like, I don't want to sound egotistical and be like, I'm Nathan Cruz and I'm the next Y and Z, but uh, I'm, I'm a British professional wrestler and I, well, based from the United Kingdom. And I've been doing this for 15 years, if, but I can't really include the last year, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, for a good, what well, would be 10 years of that, that I've done it as a professional living, as in, like, yeah, it's paid my bills, and yeah, I've, I've travelled across the world doing it, and uh, nice. well, yeah, that's that's a brief intro into, into it. I'm sure we'll get into my career as the podcast goes on. Yeah, so we're jumping in straight away to be fair you just said you've been doing it for 15 years is that wrestling on shows or did you start training 15 years ago uh both to be honest i i started in a really bad place somebody knows me uh i started in, in uh, 2006 um we we'd been looking for training schools for ages and we'd been hunting them down but at that point you know, we were still, i was still 15 years old so i was at school and I had gcse's didn't really have that much money, came from a very working class background, so I didn't have the privilege to be able to afford to travel to places such as Manchester or London or Portsmouth. I'm based in a small city called Hull, which is a 2017 city of culture, in case you didn't know. Um, and yeah, we uh, we just didn't have that money, so finally this training school comes to Hull, and we just latched onto it. But we didn't know that this guy was a complete pretender, and he was just robbing us of our money, really. Like, he was, you know, he taught us that uh, a wrist lock was an armbar and he taught us to do a suplex on the wrong side but you know we didn't care we just were so eager to to learn and jump in we did we could, well, i say it's not that we didn't care we just didn't know it wasn't until um like i started breaking away from there and getting a few bookings around the, the yorkshire area and i kind of started to figure things out where i was like oh hold on i think this guy isn't isn't everything that he says he is you know what i mean and uh but yeah, that was kind of my start. Like I literally started training in the March, and I think by the it was August twenty sixth, two thousand six, my first match. I was about nine stone, looked nothing like a professional wrestler, fifteen years old. Um, I'd be, uh, I'd the hell beating over me. I was, you know, like I mean, it's one of them that it really. Was it bullying? Wasn't it bullying? I mean, yeah. I mean, there was testing me to see how much I wanted to stay around, obviously. But they did become to a point with where I was like, I think they're just taking liberties here. Like you were fully grown men, and you're quite literally beating up a 15 year old kid. And that happened to me and uh, you know my my childhood best friend, and we've grown up in the wrestling job together, Matt Myers. We were both in that match, and I remember we both kind of came away like we was. You know, nothing could dampen our spirits and the fact that we just made our debut. But it was like uh, we've just been like, victimised here the last few weeks. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? But I had the way stuck at it, and uh, you know, happy to say that I did because I've, I've had a, a very enjoyable career ever since I got away from there. But uh, yeah, the guy's name was uh, Ron Wilkinson, who went under the name of the Urban Warrior. Um, so yeah, he's a pardon the the language, but he's a real piece of shit. That's all I really got to say on him, but yeah. it was still my foot in the door. And as daft as it may sound, like I probably wouldn't change it because I wouldn't know, like, 
what the butterfly effect would have been from that. Would I have met people? Would I have not met people that took me to this place? That took me to this place, and where my career ended up going. So yeah, as, as daft as it sounds, I probably still won't change anything about it. Now I weirdly get what you mean because you don't know how things are going to work out in the long run. So, like, you're in a good place now, and obviously starting in that place got you to the good place. Mm-hmm. How did you get away from that? place in the end did someone sort of say um, come and train with us or yeah well there was also sometimes used to come there for sessions with a wrestler called Brad Flash and Brad was I think pretty early on realising that he didn't really want to be a wrestler he wanted to be a promoter and he was starting to run some shows in South Yorkshire and he just he took a liking to me um, so he asked me to do some of these shows for him which I, you know, I did um, now, and I, I know that there's been certain things that have come out about El Ligero since, but it'd be, it would be literally impossible for me to talk about my career without mentioning him. So I'm just going to get that out of the way with now because yeah. I have to I have to just make a deal and I have to talk about him um, because of the influence he had on my career so early on. He saw me on those shows when I was about 17. And uh, by, I don't know what it is, but he, just, he said he saw something in me. He could just tell I had a. You know, I've always been a very naturally charismatic person. I've got an acting background, and uh, you know, at school I was pretty much a class clown. <laughs> so um, I guess maybe it was that that, that that he saw something in that he could help and, and coach, and he, he became a really good mentor to me at that point. He really did. He helped me a lot, and uh, you know, just teaching me how to how to really work, to be honest. And uh, you know, and the ambition for me at that point was I always had little goals in mind. Um, and like the first big step was always I wanted to get to a training school. The next big step was uh, my, my goal was all star. But I had a lot of little steps on the way that I was like, okay, so I need to break out of Yorkshire now and I want to start going a bit further afield. And, you know, just try and get my name spread about. But I knew that eventually I wanted to get to all star wrestling. That was my ambition. That was my, my goal. And I honestly believe that if, if, if Gero hadn't taken that time to help me in those early years, I definitely wouldn't have got to the point that, you know, the, the people at All Star Wrestling would have A, even wanted to take a look at me and B, never would have, have taken me on the full-time team when I was 19. So, yeah, no, it was, he helped me a lot. He really did. Yeah, Um yeah, we can't ignore the fact that he's helped you get to this point. Um, yeah. I think it'd be silly to try and do that. So, Again, you can't ignore history. That's that's the thing. Like, yeah. it is. I I was just I was as upset as anyone reading some of the things that came out about him. Um, probably even more so because obviously I knew him on such a personal level. Yeah. But um, it's one of them things that if, if, when I do these interviews and people ask me about my career. I can't, just, I can't just lie and just do you know what I mean it's, so, it's well, the butterfly effect again you still yeah, yeah. yeah. It was still, still out when you get to the point yeah exactly so was it 19 when you were able to start doing it sort of as a full time thing yeah when I, so basically when I got taken on by All Star so I was at this point I'd, uh, I was doing a summer season for a promotion called RDW which was run by Steve Sykes and in that summer, he was running Cleethorpes and a place called uh, the Suncastle in Skegness. Um, and unbeknownst to me, there was a, a senior referee by the name of Mal Mason who used to he used to finish the All Star shows at Butlins in the afternoon, and then on the evening, him and his his partner would come and watch the shows at, uh, for IDW and he'd have a few bevies or whatever. 
and uh, he just he came up to me after the show and just said I am um, I think you've got a future in this I'm going to have a word with Brian Dixon at All Star Wrestling for you and I was like wow uh, okay yeah amazing thank you very much then he, and your Mal was such a gentleman um, I loved him I, I, I still love him you know he's unfortunately passed away but Mal was the best person who kind of he put a word into All Star for me and, and true to his word two weeks later I think they'd ask Brad because Brad was doing some shows for Brian at that time was like oh you're from Yorkshire do you know a lad called Nathan Nathan Cruz and uh, Brad of course said yeah yeah I'm yeah, quite well and uh, I had my first match there that summer I just randomly was and I was against Rampage which was my first match and my first experience of him and I knew when I got in there I was like oh I'm in here with some he instantly became the new measuring stick in my head I was like he is he's phenomenal like he's he's the next level like and it was, you know, I was sat scratching my head, like, how is this guy not signed? This was in 2009. Um, so he got signed the following year, but he, he was just so good. I remember just before I went out for that as well, like, I used to wrestle in tassels. At that time, I had tassels on my tights and my boots. I'd always leave my laces hanging out to kind of go on with the, the tassels. And Mal Mace was the referee, and he, he turned to me just before I went out. He went, tuck your laces in, kid. You're in the big leagues now. <laughs> <laughs> I've never forgotten that. Um, and Mal was, and, and to this, and, and you know, me and Mal always used to joke about that and, and laugh every time I, I saw him after that. But yeah, that was kind of my way into All Star. I mean, he went quiet for the rest of the year. They just said, we know where you are, like, if we ever need you. And then, he, you know, they, they got in touch a couple of times, I think through leagues, about just standing in for people. Um, it's like they'd have cancellations, and there was a cancellation once to Croydon. I think it was Martin Kirby wasn't able to do the show so it was me who took his place I had to wrestle as Martin Cruz um, against Tony Spitfire um, and credit to Tony Spitfire he knew exactly what Brian would want um, and I just followed his lead and he put together this this match that showcased me very well you know I always what I had to do was put on my feather bowlers and my, you know be the prima donna Nathan Cruz and, and Spitty kind of got me through the rest of it um, and Brian was just, Brian was very impressed. He came up to me after because that was the first time Brian had actually seen me. The show, the previous shows I'd done for Brian, it had always been Letitia, his daughter. Um, so Brian came up to me and he said, "You know, you live near, you live, you live near Ligera, right?" I said, "Oh well, he's Leeds. I'm about an hour, so yeah, I'm close enough by." So he took my email, and my, my my telephone number, and uh, he started giving me a few more jobs. And then by the summer, he, he was just coming up. He, he he had me do the Easter camps. And he was very impressed with me, and he came up to me shortly after me and Colossus Kennedy, in fact, because um, we started working together to do shows for All Star. And he uh, he just said to his girlfriend, "I want you to do the summer season. I want you to be on the full time team." And that was it. I was like, oh, they, they had the doors of Valhalla just opened up for me because I knew the the volume of work <clears throat> that I was getting. I was only getting off, I think thirty pounds a match at that time because I was still very green. But, um, you know, I was so excited, like, because I knew the access that I would have to hear, wrestle pretty much five to six days a week for six, seven weeks. And then even after that, once we'd get to, like, the October half term, we'd get to Christmas. Anytime the kids were off, basically, I would be wrestling a hell of a lot. And in between that, my, my weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, would always be busy. Um, and I'd have access to people like Robbie Brooks, uh, James Mason, Dean Allmark, Robbie Dynamite, who was, like, when I used to go watch... All-Star, Hull City Hall as a kid. Robbie Dynamite was my favourite British wrestler. Like, I loved him. 
so I had all this access to it. And then, and of course, Rampage, who I mentioned, and uh, and he took me under his wing as like his mentor. He was my mentor, sorry, and it was that was amazing to me because he I never let on like how much I admired his work until after that. Like, because I, I didn't want that to be the reason he may have wanted to take me under his wing, as that it sounds, and he's not like that, and he never would be. But obviously, I didn't really know him on a personal level at this point, yeah, and I didn't want to come across as a you know, as a fanboy, really, but I really was like, I, I loved his work. And I wanted to, I wanted my things to look as legitimate as his. Like, I was always a big advocate of like, when I, when I wasn't wrestling, I'd be watching these wrestlers, and every time I watched Rampage. I always watched audiences as well, and I'd see the dads who would be taking the kids, who you may may have a, a misconception of what we do as being a load of fake shit, and they'd they'd watch him, and you'd see them start elbowing each other, going oh I'm wincing and stuff like that, and I was like, he's making the non-believers believe in what's going on here. That's how good he is, and that's how good I want to be. Like that's you know. They're, they're, that's always kind of been my my philosophy about wrestling. I've always wanted to try and make create new fans essentially. Um, but yeah, I had access to all that at 19 years old. It was the biggest opportunity that Brian that anyone gave me, and it was Brian Dixon who awarded me that opportunity really to to join that full time team. I'm eternally grateful to him to this day for it because um, I, I just wouldn't be the wrestler I am if it weren't for for that opportunity. Yes, got you. Got you a foot in the door to let you go further and further. So yeah, and just learn so much. That was that was the best thing about it. it was like I could you know it could be Monday afternoon. I would make a mistake in a match, and I'd come back through the curtain. and Rampage would watch the match, and he would tell me why I went wrong. Michael Whiplash would tell me where I went wrong. Robbie Brookside would tell me where I went wrong. Frankie Slow would be my referee. He'd tell me. Then I'd get in the car and I'd film all my matches on the camera, and Robbie Dynamite would sit with me and he'd go through the match with me. So then by Tuesday afternoon, we'd set the ring up before the show, I'd get in there with Dynamite, I'd get in there with Whippy, I'd get in there with Rampage, they'd show me a few little bits and then I'd go do my match. That summer I was wrestling a Japanese wrestler by the name of Shadow Phoenix and he had a bunch of experience from Mexico as well. So I'm learning from him and then I'm, I'm getting to correct these mistakes that I'd made the day before. By the end of those six weeks, I was a completely different wrestler and I was so much more confident in my own ability, yeah. It's just, you know, again, just having the, the, the opportunity to get the, those repetitions in to make those mistakes, it just was the best learning experience. And, and the minds that I was surrounded by, Brian himself, you know, like, that's in the, like he, I talk about all the wrestlers, but you, you got to give credit to the, the guy who's been able to be a successful promoter for half a century, which is legitimately what Brian has done. He's, he's been running for 50 years and he's been one of the most successful, probably the most successful in this country. And I, I just think to have his his experience and knowing what he's seen over the years and the people who've come through All Star, his feedback was so valuable and so helpful. Really, making the little things that would make an audience come up on their feet, you know, like really understanding how to hold them in the palm of your hand. Brian's Brian's a genius at that, and I think people that people may not notice that, but when he's seen as much wrestling as Brian has seen over the years, this you know, he. And, and and promoted as much wrestling as he's promoted over the years, he's going to know. Do you know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You you up that close to it. You're promoting it more than half the year. You're doing it constantly. You're going to pick up on things that work and things that don't work. And you're going to be able to pass exactly, it on. Yeah. 
And exactly. You were... and when I when I came in, he was celebrating his fortieth year, so <laughs> he, he knew he knew a fair bit. You must be doing something right because promotions don't normally last that long. Right. Exactly, and and least of all make the promoter. You know, I mean, I I don't want to give his financial, you know, his financial situation away, but he's 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 sitting very well. Put it that way. He's made a good chunk of money from professional wrestling as a promoter, and, and, you know, and fair play to him because he's grafted for it. And I've seen him with my own eyes, like Brian would. You know, I've just seen Brian set up the rings with us, and, you know, in his sixties when he really shouldn't be. We're all saying, Brian, put that ball down. <laughs> Some people you just can't stop though. They've got that, the work ethic to like that extreme. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and that's why it's such a success. Nice. So that was just sort of the start of things. So obviously things progressed from there because you've had, let's be honest, a very successful wrestling career so far. So how did things escalate from that? Was it just more people saw you and more people booked you, or was it getting your face everywhere or? Yeah, I mean it was yeah it was it was just it was it was a it was a case of everything really like like you say just getting out there a bit more people seeing me. I remember I did a show for Gra- in Gravesend for Brian, um, and uh, there was a couple of fans there by the name of John Briley and Jimmy Smallman who went on to do some pretty cool things in British wrestling. Uh, and at that point, they were just fans, and they were thinking of one day starting a wrestling promotion. So I get a, an email and. I think it was late 2011, saying we're going to be starting this promotion in 2012. We'd like you to be a part of it. Um, and, and at that point, like you'd get a lot of first-time promotions, and you'd be like, "Oh, right, here we go." You know what I mean? Like, and I know yeah. that sounds negative, but I mean, I've, I've been. There's one time I remember in 2009, I jumped in a car with with five of us. We travelled all the way from Leeds to. The, the furthest end of Scotland travelled through snow to get there for this first time promotion and find out that they haven't drawn anybody literally there was two people so they had to cancel the show the promoter had to go get our money and then we had to drive back that was you know 16 hours in a car with five people yeah. going through snow for nothing so it was a bit reserved sometimes when these were coming so like oh it was saved in my calendar as London show that was it and then, uh, and then obviously I did the first show. They told me I was going to be the champion that night. I was like, okay, cool. But then I remember I did the match with Colossus to qualify to go into the final. And I was, I remember saying to Scale, that, that crowd's amazing. This is something special. We, we're going to have to really pull some out. And he just had a storm with his act as well, Zach Sabre. And, uh, and, and for credit to, to Scale, Scale was so helpful in those first two chapters that I really got to work with Marty. That was a new. That was new to me. I didn't know how to work to an adult crowd. I, I knew how to do family friendly. I knew how to do uh, entertain, simple entertainment at Butlins, where it's just they're not necessarily wrestling fans. They're just coming to watch whatever entertainment's on. But I'd never, I'd not really been in front of an adult-based crowd like that before. And Scale had he had that experience, and he, he helped me so much with with that in those first couple of matches that I got to work with him. But yeah, obviously progress, and then that that was at that point that the boom period started to happen in professional wrestling in this country. And uh, you know, I've had my feet under the table with NGW since their inception in two thousand and eight. So they've got behind me quite a bit. Um, I remember by like two thousand and ten, for example, that's why I did the storyline of Alex Shane for the for the rights to the show stealing in. 
and their NGW were really pushing things quite early on at like the production value. They had this amazing setup with like sliding LED doors and build-up packages at the start of the show so that everybody knew what every character was doing within two minutes and things like that. Like there was really starting to make waves and starting to go into bigger venues. Like they went from a community center that held 120 people to the, the, the it was called the Gemtech Arena, which all held like it could hold up to a thousand, but we was getting about three, four hundred people in. And this was in like 2012, 2013. So this is at the very early stages of this boom period in, in, in British wrestling. But again, the confidence that I gathered from All Star and experience, being able to bring that to somewhere like NGW, like they had every faith in me to be their leading heel champion. And I had such a good time. You know, and then, I mean, I did a bunch of stuff with them over the years, but like, I, I had a, bit, a period where I left for a bit, came back as a baby face, had an amazing run there when we started doing Hull City Hall and getting local TV. Just all these little things started to happen around the same time. And it was all just, it just so happened that, well, I, I was part of it, you know, and that just, that helped my profile in, in getting around the, the country and, you know, and across Europe as well, because I started doing jobs at this point in, in like France and Barcelona. France was very good to me. There was a point in 2013, I was out there every weekend for the first half of the year. Um, and then every, I'd fly out on the Friday, we'd wrestle Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Sunday they'd drop me off at the airport, I'd wait through the night and get my flight home and do it all again the next weekend. And that was, you know, that was an incredible experience. K-Fib was very heavy there. So there was all these different things that I was just I was just gaining this experience from all over these places and just but the main thing that I was I was just loving the fact that yeah this is my job I'm a professional wrestler this is pretty cool you know what I mean I'm traveling to do this and it was just uh, life was incredible you know uh, it was and, uh, and at 22 I well tw- I started as a full time wrestler at 19 and then by the time I I really got into the groove of things I was like 22 23. It was just awesome. I just can't. There's no other way I can. I can really sum it up. I was just. I was literally living a dream. Yeah. So the it sort of snowballed for you. So it started off one place, two, four, eight, sixteen, and then just kept going like that. And then it's like you said, it was the early part of the boom period of wrestling. So it wasn't easy to get about because there wasn't as much about. So to do that is insane. So, uh, and I, I remember in 2011, Brian got the Haven camps as well. Um, and so I remember by the end of 2011, that summer season, in six weeks, I think I'd wrestled like 103 matches or something like that. Oh, damn. There'd be some days where we would literally do three shows a day. We'd wake up at eight in the morning, go to the first camp, set the ring up, do the show, tear the ring down, put it in the van, drive to the next camp, repeat. And then we drive to Blackpool. Uh, it was Winter Gardens in Blackpool. Carry the ring up two flights of stairs. Set the ring up. Go get our dinner. Come back. Get changed. Do show number three. And that and that was that was that was a Thursday night. Um, and on that run, if you was on that that particular loop, you would do I think it was eleven shows that week, and you'd still have the Friday off. Um, and I remember like us being us at that time was like, ah, oh, we don't want a Friday off. We got a booking at. Preston City wrestling one night as well, so we was wrestling every single night. So you don't stop. But I remember, yeah, and I remember after that as well. We literally came out of that summer. We had a weekend for NGW where they had they had like a freshers event at Bishop Burton College, and they had a, a show at their, um, their rec- the regular community centre they did. 
And I remember just after that, I was flying off on holiday with my girlfriend at the time for a holiday that I, you know, we both paid for, but it was the first like holiday I paid for myself. I was 20 years old. And I was, I remember sitting on the beach in Sulu and thinking, you know, professional wrestling's helped me pay for this. I've done this. I'm doing this as a job as a professional wrestler. This is pretty amazing. Like, you know, this is not often that I would take that time to kind of like step back and congratulate myself. But that was one of those moments where I was like, if you really, oh, I, 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 it sunk in the magnitude of, of what that was in 2011 in that yeah. climate of, of British wrestling at that time when it, that, that boom period really wasn't around. And I, I was very proud of that. Um, and I still am proud of that to this day. I remember, you know, that year, 2011, Colossus, I remember uh, I mentioned me and Colossus was on the road together a lot at that point because we both live in Hull. We worked out, we saw each other more than we saw our families, more than we saw our girlfriends at the time because we was away so often. And but it was, it, you know, I was so proud of that. Like, I, I felt like, well, this is, yeah, this is what I always wanted to do. I wanted to to, to have that life on the road and, and be and be a professional wrestler, like, essentially. You know what I mean? It's always what I wanted since I was 10 years old. So it was a big, it was a big thing to me. It was a big pat on the back there. Where I was like, I've, 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 I felt like I was definitely on the right track to where my ultimate goal at that time, where my ultimate goal, I, I, I saw it being. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I was on the right track. So with... You're basically having a massively busy 14 years. What What's happened over the past year? What have you done to keep yourself busy when you're such a busy worker and that's not allowed? Is, have you had anything to sort of aim for? Um, you know what? At first, I was, I was probably happy for it. I needed it. Um, I mean, the story is not uncommon to anybody now. But I got offered a WWE contract in 2016. Failed the medical because I had uh, high blood pressure, which I never knew about. Um, I, it, it just, you know, there's nothing else I can really say about it. It was just depressing. Like, it hit me like a rock. I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I just kind of felt like this was... It was everything I'd worked for and everything I dreamed of. And I had it in the palm of my hands. I'd signed my name on the contract. I was just waiting for them to sign it. And they couldn't do it. And so I'd spend like a year of just, I'd, I'd go away wrestling and everything would be great. And then I'd, I'd get home and the only thing I could think about was that, that I kind of fell short of my dream. And I, I was a, I, I was in a proper slump of depression. I couldn't I couldn't get to sleep unless I'd, I'd do a half bottle of Jim Beaming neat with a bunch of Tramadol. And it's bad. It's so bad. Like I think back to it now, I was like, well, that was never going to lower your book. That sure wasn't it. I, but I didn't care. It was part of me. As selfish as it sounds, it was like, I know that I'm probably killing myself here, but I didn't. I didn't. I was in that dark of a place, and I probably needed a break at that point to kind of like let that sink in and and and, uh, and grieve over it almost as dark as it may sound. And I didn't give myself that opportunity. And things happened that you know picked up. By 2018, I got to do well the sport, and you know NGW would give me a retainer contract so that helped me pay my bills. You know, I had, I had other things. There was people coming to me for help, such as Gabriel Cade, Kip Sabian, Amir Jordan, and I kind of and Lucas Steele. Like there was all these people. I kind of felt like all they're asking me for advice. Now we're going away doing these Butlins shows. I had a, I saw that as my new purpose, so, but I never gave myself that time to really recover from what happened. So when you know when the lockdown first happened last year, it was worrying for, from a financial standpoint, but also. 
I just kind of got to breathe and and take it and you know just just stop for a moment and I definitely needed that break. I had all that crap on Twitter as well with cancel culture digging up old stuff on me and things like that and you know which I'll make no I don't I don't want to shy away from that because I don't want it to seem like I'm I've not learned from that you know that that was the thing that got with to me with all that was there was no point did anybody say you know this joke you made eight years ago Nathan do you still think it's appropriate now? Like everybody just judged me for what I'd said for what this tweet that I did yeah. eight years ago. Do you know what I mean? Which, by the way, eight years ago when I originally said it, nobody gave me. There was zero backlash. Do you know what I mean? So much so that I'd forgotten about this tweet clearly. Um, and you know, I obviously don't think it was acceptable I, by any stretch of the imagination. I ain't even saying that that forgives it. But that point was was that nobody once asked that question. Like, do you still think this is acceptable? They just judged me for it. And it was just, it, I do again, I mean, that was when I was starting to see just how toxic I felt that professional wrestling was getting on Twitter. But I mean, not just professional wrestling, I just think the entertainments in, in as a whole and, and Twitter as a whole, was, it became very toxic. It it's just so happened it's very easy to hide on Twitter and people abuse that. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you, once, and once you're in the entertainments or you're in anything like that, you, where you're, you're more, I am saying that I'm famous by any stretch of imagination, but my profile may mean more than some than Dave stacking the shelves at Tesco's, for example. So instantly there's a there's a reason for people to kind of look at everything and go through everything that I'm doing with a fine-tooth club. But it was just one of them that I was just like, crying out loud, is this where we're heading now? This is legit, well, this is where well, it's I just needed a break. I definitely needed a break. I kind of fell out of love with wrestling. Um, and I just, but I was worried, like, say, I, I, from a financial standpoint. Luckily enough, I, I had a close friend who's a fully qualified painting decorator, and he said, Well, I'll take you on as an apprentice, and, and I've just kind of been surviving with that. And then, but that one rewarding to me creatively, like, I'm a very creative person, and so I've, I'm, I'm a big toy collector, and a, a very good friend of mine is one of my best friends, Andrew Dye. He runs a company called Pooch Edits. He used to do a lot of the video editing for NGW way back in the day, all the videos that I mentioned earlier. And he's very talented at it. And he said, well, why don't I, I've wanted to do a YouTube channel, but I didn't really know what to do. And uh, and I said, oh, well, it's funny enough, I, I've had that thought. What if I did a, a show about my toy collecting and my toy room? And he was like, yeah, that was great. And so we just filmed like a bunch of episodes just before like, when we knew it, lockdown was going to happen, but we didn't, it, it, it wasn't actually put in place, but it was like pretty sad we're going into lockdown. So we filmed like seven episodes one day, and he went away and edited them, and he, he sent me the first draft. And I was like, man, that's incredible. Like, this is this is class. Like, little, and, and I would just want to expect in this community that we got to fall into, which has been great. You know, still, we're still doing the channel to this day. We've got over, I think it's like 1,020 subscribers, which, you know, isn't a great deal. I understand that in, in the laws of, in, in YouTube law. But um, from a standpoint of this is just something that we're, we're going to do during lockdown between, you know, two best mates. Yeah. I, and inside of a year for it to get that. And, you know, I've, I've met, I was, I, I, there's a guy called Greg in America now who I speak to all the time just because we connected over this toy collecting thing. There's a, a fan from Germany called Michael who sent me a, 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 an original Green Ranger flip helmet in its box and stuff like that. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I've got to be part of this community as well. And it was really cool. So I, that's kind of kept me sane. 
I'm currently sat in my uh, what I call Cruises Surf Shack in the back of my garden, which I, I renovated like a, a, I don't know, an old shed. It was already done up as kind of like a tiki bar, but this year I decided just as a hobby, just again to feed that creative side of me. I'm gonna really, you know, I'm just gonna completely do it up, and I, I really put quite a bit of time into this. Built a sofa in here, wallpapered one of the walls, and yeah. So I've I've had a bunch of things to kind of keep me occupied because I didn't know when wrestling was coming back and if I'm completely honest with you there was a, a good even if you'd asked me in the summer of 2020 are you ever going to go back to wrestling my answer would have been no I was done I was absolutely done with it I was so mentally spent with it so it, it, I was just trying to figure out what the next step I was going to do with my life but I had that itch still and there was certain things the first time that I really kind of felt like I think I still want to do it was FTR versus the Young Bucks now, Cash, Cash Wheeler's one of my best friends. Like, we met through all in through All Star in 2012. By 2013, when he came over again, we were wrestling against each other or tag teaming together and pretty much every day um, for all those six weeks on those runs where we would be wrestling 10, 11 times a week. We just bonded. Like, he's just, I, I can't say enough good things about him as a human being and everything he's done for me. But it just, yeah, like, and then his talent, he's, he's phenomenal, just a phenomenal he's, talent. He's insane. He's legitimately yeah. one of my favourite wrestlers. Um, yeah, well, he's, just he's freak sick, athlete. Like, yeah, he really. Oh yeah, he's a natural athlete. But like, I, I knew when that match was happening. Like, I definitely, I bought pay per view same as everybody else. Like, I spent money on it. I don't know, really spend money on. I don't buy pay per views now at all. If I'm completely honest, but um, that one, I was like, well, I, I want to watch this live. I'm not going to try and wait until it appears somewhere on the web. I'm going to watch this live. I'm excited to see it. And then just watching it and the story that they told and how well it came, I just had this itch. And I was like, oh, I think, I think that's ignited something in me. And then I spoke to him about that that week. We, we FaceTimed each quite often. And I was out, out here chatting to him. And I told him about that, and I said it gave me that itch, and he was like, I'm so pleased to hear that, because I didn't want you to quit. And he just said, like, no one can tell you this dream's over but you. And as I mentioned, Rampage is, uh, is a very good friend and mentor to me to this day. And I, I spoke to him about it on the phone, and he said something to that same effect, that, like, you can't, you know how good you are. Do you really want that to be the end of your story? And because uh, he, he said to me, no, I don't think you deserve that. You've put in too much hard work. You're too good to, for that to be the end of your story. And that was when it started. And that was around the November time. That was like, okay, I think I think I, I, I do want to do this again. I, st- I still think I need to stick around. And then once that was in my head, I was just kind of waiting. Then I was like, well, when are we going to get this news that the light is at the end of the tunnel? And it kind of seems like that's it now. So, you know, I've fortunate enough to, to get into the ring a couple of times recently. I've got a really good friend of mine who used to play professional rugby. He's been doing, he's my, my, my strength and conditioning coach. He put me through a pro one the other day, made me throw up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, now I'm kind of excited because I'm like, oh, this is, uh, this is sort of looking like I'm, I'm finally going to be able to get back to this. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm 30 now, I turned 31 in September. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, right, I know that that window of opportunity for me to make some big money in this and really go to one of the major promotions, that window is getting smaller now. Because as I mentioned, 
15 years or 14 years, let's say, where I was at, because obviously last year I didn't wrestle, but 14 years where I did it at that, as, as often as I did, I think it's like, last time I, I had a count of my matches before Facebook deleted notes page, it was like 2,300, and that wasn't including rumbles, like, my yeah. body's taking a bit of eating. Do you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. starts to... And I remember Rampage always used to warn me, and Dean, Dean Olmar, them, them two always used to warn me. It was like, wait till 10, 30, it'll hit you. And I think the fact that I've been forced to rest for a year as well, as kind of, and now I'm starting to take a few bumps again. Like, I do feel a lot more. Like, I was, I was in the ring last night, and I woke up this morning, my back and my hips were really tight this morning, which was very alien to me. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think it's your age. I bumped for the first time about two weeks ago since October, and I thought my soul was leaving my body. <laughs> it is, isn't it, right? You just you forget how callous you get to it. Like, I've got rope bands. I was like, I've had rope bands in 12 years. What's this about? Yeah. Mental to me. It's just crazy because my body just adapted to doing this consistently. And, you know, and I'm hopefully I'll get that callous back to it. But I, I, I do understand what they meant. And, like, going back to my point of uh, that window of opportunity getting close, I'm kind of looking at this now. You know, and I've got a fiance. I was supposed to get married last year to her, in fact. But um, obviously, because of what happened with the pandemic. But um, I've got, you know, I've got a good. I've got a good life away from wrestling and my ambition now is really I just want to kind of set up some good financial stability so that I can enjoy this as much as I possibly can because the downside to this recently like earning money as a pin and decorator has been great to pay the bills but like five days out of the week I'm out of the house from eight in the morning till seven o'clock at night by the time I finish at the gym and get home and then you know you have your dinner you walk the dog you clean up Bedtime. Yeah. You start, I, I just I miss having the quality of life that I had when I was when I was home as a wrestler. So like obviously I'd be the busy period. I'm away. I'm that's pretty much it. I'm I'm gone like seven six days out of the week. I'll be home for a few hours. I'll drop my bag. I'll clean my bag out, load it up again, and back out on the road. But then the day when that had come to an end, so I say like September time, I'd quiet down just back to weekends. I'm I'm home. And I get to enjoy being home. I get to enjoy time with my fiance. I get to enjoy, you know, I'm a big guard. I love gardening. I love doing DIY. I just, I've been having that time to do those things and have my, I miss that more so than anything. So I think that's like my big ambition now is I really want to get some, you know, some good financial stability put aside so that I can, I can always have that in place to enjoy yeah. life at home, you know, even if I become a father one day or anything like that. I don't want to be the father that has to say, okay, I'm going to drop you off at your grandma's, see you later. I'd, I'd hate that. I'd want to be at home for them. So that's kind of my, that's my driving ambition now. And I know, like I say, in the next five, six, seven years, I don't want to really put a big time stamps on it, but I've kind of got something in mind of where I'd like it to be in a certain time period. And we'll see where it goes. But at the moment, like, my, my main thing is I just want to get back to wrestling. I just want to get back to doing what I love. And, and I think that's another thing that I kind of want to, I want to use uh, going back into this is I want to spread this message that we, 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 we love this. Like we all love this, whether you're a fan or whether you're a wrestler, we really love this. And I can guarantee at some point in your life, you've been bullied for this. You've been picked on for being a wrestling fan. So why, why does anybody want to try and destroy it? Why do, why are people, when I see people being so negative towards it at times, I just think, why, what are you doing? Because 
if this was taken away, like it has been in the last year, how many people, for some of those fans, that'll be their only social outlook. I bet yeah. a lot of those, like, their friends are all wrestling fans, and the thing they do together is go to watch live wrestling. And that's awesome. That's that's class. I make a living from people like that. And, and we love this. We all love this. The guys in the ring, the guys and girls in the ring love this. Everyone in the audience, they love this. So why can we not help uh, instead of being so... Everybody wants to be a critic these days, and nobody wants to be a fan. And I think that's really, it's, a, it's a real shame because it's not fun for the, for the talent in the ring, let me tell you, to, to try and to go out and entertain that type of, of, of audience. I'd much rather go in front of a, a Butlins crowd who I know are going to appreciate every bump I take. And yeah. the fact that when I do wake up next day, my back's to me, my knees are hurting, and I've still got four hours behind the wheel, I know that the next place I'm going to is going to be just as appreciative. If that makes it worthwhile, instead of getting in that car, going on the internet and going and, and finding out that somebody who's never taken a bump in their life is going, well, I only thought this deserved three stars because of this reason and that reason. And yeah. not understanding that this was match two on a card. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a bunch yeah. of reasons why matches, certain matches are booked to be better than other matches, for example. I just I just don't understand that mentality of trying to destroy something that you love. It, just, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I'm hoping i've said it a few times that because all of this was taken away when it does come back it'll be sort of hopefully sort of like revitalized a, a new boom and people will actually go i want to go and enjoy this live event not even particularly wrestling like concerts um like anything like that and hopefully people sort of go i'm going to enjoy this instead of i'm going to go and watch this like there's a big and, difference and critique, yeah yeah absolutely and I, I really hope that. And again, this isn't me. I don't want to come across preachy or like I'm, I'm, I'm having a go at people. Like I say, like my message here is we love this. We all love wrestling. Remember, we love pro wrestling. And I, I, I'm no different to you. You know what I mean? Like I'm no different to, yeah, I've got more experience at it, but I'm no different in that regard that at some point when I was at school, people laughed at me for liking this and for wanting to do this as a career. I know that you've all been laughed at for it at some point because it's just, the way of professional wrestling unfortunately is perceived by society so let's help protect it let's help build it let's help make this the best it's ever been um, and you know and whatever that I, it's just a different mindset that I have because I know that I, in the past I've been guilty of that I've been a negative person instead of offering advice I've had to go to people and that was bad of me you know what I mean like I can only yeah. reflect on that now as a 30 year old man as opposed to a 24 year old kid who was getting a lot of opportunities given to them do you know what I mean and maybe t- took some bad advice on board instead of some good advice or whatever those are all ifs and buts and it's, it's not worth me ever going into that or what it is the important thing is learning from those experiences and being able to offer that to a new crop of talent coming through and like I mentioned earlier in 2018 I kind of saw that as my role and then and I, I, I you know, I'm still very good friends with all those people to this day, and these other people that I see coming through these lads from Hull or have helped train, such as uh, a tag team called Reese and Rogan. I'm so big on, I think they're going to do great things when this all opens up again. Um, and, and, you know, being able to help those guys, being able to help someone like a Jack Bandicoot from West Yorkshire, I think is phenomenal. He's got, he's so different, he's got so much to offer. Miles Kamen is another one from York, young lad, and he's got every potential to, to be a legitimate superstar at this and and I'm so happy to just you know well okay lads 
here's a few mistakes I made at one time. I don't want you to make them. Learn from mine, and you know, and that's it's the only way that the job's going to get better. But I'm excited for it to all come back. I really am, like you say. I hope that people do have that mentality of I do, I just want to go and have a good time. Now. Yeah, that's all I want to do. I just want to go and enjoy this. Oh, even within my own little circle, it's more of a we want to we want to get back to it to have fun and be around the people yeah. we like and just like sort of make more of it make it less of a oh this is another show like actually enjoy sitting with the people backstage talking to the fans like just making more of it I mean that, to be honest with you that's probably the thing I've missed the most is just the time with the team going away like the amount of times that you know when, say for example, I can only use like the Butlins uh, shows for an example but like when we'd be away there six days out of the week I'd wait on the, by Tuesday. I'll, I'll drive to Lincoln. I'll go pick up Robbie X. And Robbie's been such a good friend to me for, for years. We've known each other. Like, he's, he's so good. Oh, he, yeah, he's effortlessly good. He, I said that to him when I watch him or when I wrestle him. I was like, you make it look effortless. And he's, he's one, so good at it. He's one of them people that you watch him for a few minutes and you just sit there and think, do I continue? Do I just call it a day now? <laughs> he's getting to that point by now people looking at Robbie as a measuring stick and, and, and as they should because he's a hell of a good worker and he's one of those guys that again I could we could be wrestling each other and we'll be wrestling each other on October 23rd actually but we could be wrestling each other on, on, on any show and I could, I'd be very confident just going walking up to him even if we've got 20 minutes to fill Rob should we do this for the finish yeah alright and then we'd go out and work and I'd be very confident in that because I know that Robbie would be smart enough to go in there and do stuff. I'd, I'd have ideas. We'd bounce off each other. We'd gel really well. Like There's a handful of people that you have that confidence with. Dean Mark would be another one that I'd, I'd probably go to with that. And I just know that it's going to be class. It's going to be enjoyable. I'm gonna be, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be safe. He, he, he's, he's so good at this. But yeah, like going back to that point, like going back and doing those matches with Robbie, and then after the show, we'd go grab food from somewhere. Then we all go to the the chalet, and all all the team would come round, and we'd stay up till early hours in the morning with people, just drinking and laughing, and and getting to know each other a bit more, and, and watching wrestling or talking wrestling, or even just talking about anything. You know, it could be anything we we're discussing. It would be. I never got into wrestling to make friends as that as that may sound like I, I, I already had friends from school and that I was close with and I just kind of saw this as a career but now I think that's my biggest takeaway now is the friendships that I've made it's mental to me that my best my, the guy who's supposed to be my best man my wedding last year is originally he, he's from Asheville North Carolina and I, I, you know what I mean how, how mental is that yeah you know, we, we just met through wrestling with this mutual love for this job and it's respect we have for each other's work and then on top of that it just so happened we, we found we, we actually got along with each other really well I've got another close friend from America by the name of John Skyler like that's crazy to me I've got, I'm really good friends with Sean Custom he's from Australia he's I, it blows my mind like I, I look at the network of friends that I've got and how people how close I am to certain individuals and I see wrestling gave me that it gave me so much that I never expected and I'm so eternally grateful for it, you know, on top of it, enabling me to see parts of this world and obscure corners of England that nobody would probably even want to visit. 
yeah. I've seen so much and had so many great experiences from it. And again, it just, it just makes me realise just how much I I really love this. Like I I, I need it. I need it in my life. You know what I mean? And uh, I do. I, I just miss. I miss being around with everybody. I miss having that fun. I miss you know getting to a venue and, and seeing you have you know maybe just daft in jokes that you have. Like I know if I saw anybody who's like in that network of friends of, who was like me and Amir Jordan and. and uh, and, and Gabriel Kidd, like, we'd see each other and we always go, Brittany! And, like, have this daft little thing between us. And, like, I can't wait for that again. It's, it, you know, I'll probably bring a tear to my eye when I get to hug those guys again. Like, I'm really, I'm so excited for it. I really am. I can't, I can't articulate it just how much I, I can't I, wait to get I completely get where you come from. And I think other people listening would as well. Because yeah, it's sort well, of, hopefully so, yeah. it's reignited it's a flame. Difficult. It's, it's going to be very difficult for me, who's made a career predominantly as a villain, to go out and look like I don't want to necessarily be in front of a crowd. Do you know what I mean? That's like character that I could, when I come out as Nathan Cruz, that's always, and I'm, I'm a, a villain, is that I don't want to be around these smelly, disgusting people that are beneath me because I'm an elitist or whatever. Like that's the character, obviously. It's going to be very. I think that's going to be a testament to my acting ability because I think inside I'll be holding back tears and it's going to mean the world to me. It really is going to mean the world to me when I get to first walk out from the audience and, and do what I, I honestly believe hand on hand I've been, I was put on this act to do and that was to be a professional wrestler. Nice. You see, you've been really easy to interview because you've actually beat me to my questions. Um, <laughs> so... I, it's been great because I've just been able to let you talk about things, which is the entire point. Um, yeah, I, was... I mean, and this is it. Like, I, could, I could just talk. I, this, this, this interview could go on for five hours because I could just talk wrestling with anybody for, for as long as. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just, again, I just love it. And when I, I meet someone who I know also loves it, like you clearly love this to be able to do a podcast and invest this much time of your own, you know, your own personal time into this, like. That clearly tells me already that you love this, and to be able to just sit and talk about wrestling with people who love it as much as I do is just my favorite thing to do. I could, could do it for hours, like, um, and I, I do do it for hours with, you know, Dario Diablo is a really good friend of, of mine, and he comes, he often comes around to this this uh, track that I've got in the garden. We'll just we'll we'll sit and we'll talk. We we even if we try to not talk about wrestling, it'll still come back to wrestling at some point. I just love this. I really do, and so yeah. Thank you for having me on, man. Like I've, I've really, I always enjoy being able to talk talk wrestling with anybody. Uh, thanks for coming on. I, I honestly started this out of a bit of lockdown boredom. I was going a bit mental, yeah. um, but I've really enjoyed listening to everyone's stories, like the different ways everyone gets into it, the different like routes people have gone to. Sometimes end up in the same place. Sometimes end up in completely different places, and it's it's just nice to hear the passion behind people's voices. So, yeah, it's been really enjoyable listening to you talk about it. You just beat me to all my questions. Because my questions were going to be plans after lockdown. You already explained what the plan is. Uh, yeah. My, the question I ask everyone is name some people that you think people should be watching. You named a bunch of people just because you thought they deserved some credit. Like, yeah. And people are hopefully going to listen and go, oh, that name sounds interesting. Let's give them a look. So... The the last thing I actually ask, just so I don't keep you all night, 
just for people listening, it's half eight. So I'm I'm cutting him short, but we'll bring him back because I feel like we could talk even longer. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Oh God, don't don't look for me. <laughs> Um, no, um, I'm on Instagram uh, at Nathan underscore Cruise Nine Zero. Um, it's a private account. But I, I, you know, I accept most people. It's just kind of to police that they don't cross the line into my personal life. I had issues with people, like fans, and follow me, and then my partner would be like, "Oh, who's this who's trying to follow me?" I'm like, "Oh whoa, yeah, whoa, 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 there's a line. It's Nathan Cruise, not Nathan Hill. You don't get to, you don't get to see that. You don't get to have my mum on Facebook, like." tried to happen with some people so I keep that very private do you know what I mean and like I think my Instagram's probably the closest you'll get into a glimmer of seeing like my real life um, there's a fan page for me that I have ran by somebody um, I think it's just the professional Nathan Cruz on Facebook and then uh, in my YouTube channel inside the toy room I mean that's very much not Nathan Cruz it's very much Nathan Erwin talking about toys and you know, things like that so you know if you're into that kind of thing if you're into toys if you're into comics uh, by all means uh, check it out give that, us a subscription that has an Instagram page as well hey, and we do have an Instagram page yeah thank you very much I didn't have yep. about that yeah, we have an Instagram page check it out um, there is one question that you you messaged me about um, and I, I do want to I do and I, we haven't mentioned it yet and I do want to mention it because uh, it's it's probably my favourite memory within my wrestling career and you it was one of them was my favorite match yeah now uh so as i mentioned about rampage rampage being my uh like my mentor and someone like i, I, I idolized i really did idolize him uh so in 2015 ngw had built up this storyline um with rampage was the leader of this heel group called the control and i was the, the top baby face in the company fighting for Team NGW. Um, and it, it was at the whole city hall where I used to go and watch wrestling as a kid. Um, and it, it sold out this night. And so I think that's around a thousand, if not over a thousand people. It was filmed for local television in the area and it was going on YouTube. Um, and my parents were there that night. My fiance was there that night. And, and I, 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 I captured the NGW championship for a second time, but I mean, that's by the by. The, the moment in itself, the way the storyline had built, I walked out with Matt Myers right next to me. Um, I, I mentioned him again, but Ligero was right next to me, someone who who'd helped me in my early years. I mentioned Matt Myers was my childhood best friend. Then I go and have this amazing main event I was very proud of with the guy who I consider the best who'd helped me get to the that next level and I, the, the ovation when I won that night was was it was man it was it was it was it was the best ovation I've ever been a part of or one of the best ovations I've ever been a part of. And I just you know my mum was in tears, my dad was really happy. It was just one of those moments where it's, it was as much as our show is what we do is as a predetermined show. It was a very real moment, like where the stars kind of aligned. Like it was it was a beautiful night and. and for that reason alone, I think that's always going to stand out as my favourite match, just pure emotional, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe other matches that I'd be able to point to and say, this is my best performance, but that match is my favourite match because it's one of my better performances, but it also was just 
it, it just had everything else. It had all the other ingredients that just make things a very special moment. It was, yeah, it was incredible. I think that match is on YouTube. Like I said, pretty dated now. It's about six years old. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm still very, very proud of that night and, and you know, what me and my page got to accomplish for that crowd. And that, that would be my favourite match. Nice. Um, yeah, hopefully people can find it on YouTube. Um, like, it's always worth looking up a match. Like, people might disagree, but they don't know unless they watch. So, let's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I wish some of the more recent stuff was on there. There was, you know, there's other matches that I could point out. There's like a cage match that me and Myers had again, and the whole city all had sold out. I was immensely proud of, but that was in 2017, but for some reason, they're still not seeing the light of day, which is frustrating as hell. But, like, yeah... You know that's this all my other stuff is usually on demand, so people can't really access it unless they subscribe to to something. Um, look, at that point, I remember NGW was putting stuff out on a thing called British Wrestling Weekly, so I think that match with Rampage is is available free to watch on YouTube. So yeah, by all means, like so it's it's one that I'd still say I'm very proud of to this day. Yeah, I'm sure someone will be able to find it. It's the wrestling world, isn't it? Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> so yeah that's everything I normally go through I think to be fair we're probably going to have to bring you back in the future because there's a 15 year period and I think we only covered about four of it um, yeah yeah I mean we um, yeah these, these are things I can dive into like my, my, my first tour of the states and like yeah and things like that but again I, I'm, I'm happy to go into that into a different and then they'll go interview sometime yeah um, yeah this has been really fun to listen to and talk about it's going to be extremely easy to edit um so thank you for that i think it's just going to be removed in the few times i've gone um um so i'm just going to say thank you to everyone that's listening to this and uh thank you nathan cruz for coming on the big queer wrestling podcast awesome thanks very much man i appreciate it